You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 281, preview of Storm Clouds Rising. Well, as I mentioned last week, I've got a new novel coming out. I'll be giving you more updates as we go along, but uh, we are getting close to the launch date. We're going through the last revisions and formatting and all that stuff. I figure we're still a couple more weeks out, but I wanted to kind of give you guys at least a taste of what it's going to be. And to, to do that, I want to give you my, my resource highlight for this week is When the Stars Fell from the Sky. And When the Stars Fell from the Sky is book three of the previous series. Now, the novel that I'm releasing in the six-book series that, that, that has already been released are related in a certain way. What I did was I took some of the characters and then I projected out two years uh, down the road after the last one ended and we're dealing with another crisis. So these are page turners. These are fast-paced action books, um, a love story, drama, shoot 'em up um, terrorism, zombies, uh, by all means, check them out. And if you're not sure this is something that you would enjoy, click on the link, go to Amazon, and read a bit of it. That'll give you an idea. If you're not interested, you're not interested. But check it out. See what you think. I think you would enjoy it, um, especially if you love you know, fast-paced, pa- fast action-packed drama. So today, I'm going to read a, a short excerpt from... Storm Clouds Rising, and uh, this is the the very first section of the book. Kind of gives you a little bit of an idea of where we're going. Um, Gives you a little bit of taste of what it's going to be like, but I think you'll enjoy it. The Pacific Ocean, Malibu, California, Wednesday, 05-20 hours. The blue and white boat bobbed on the dark waves. Sunrise was still almost an hour away, and vehicle headlights shone like small pinpricks of light a mile off on the Pacific Coast Highway. Four figures huddled together on the dive platform at the stern of the 36-foot vessel. A fifth man stood at the bow, keeping watch with a powerful set of night vision binoculars. On the dive platform, a tall African-American clad in cargo shorts and a black t-shirt, was performing a last-minute check on one of the two divers. Both were wearing wetsuits and Draeger rebreathers. These are different from standard scuba tanks in that they recycle the carbon dioxide and do not release the bubbles of a normal rig, thereby protecting the divers from being spotted by an enemy. 
Eric Gray held a flashlight with a red filter, allowing him to check Jay Walker's equipment without destroying either man's normal night vision. Good to go, Jay. A wiry white man with close-cropped hair was assisting the other diver, checking him carefully to assure that he was ready to enter the cold Pacific. Andy Fleming patted Chris Norris on the shoulder and took a step back, giving him a thumbs up. The divers adjusted their masks, lowered themselves into the water, and disappeared under the surface. A moment later, Walker's voice came over their earpieces. Fish one to Bravo one, radio check. Bravo one to fish one, we read you loud and clear, Fleming answered. Each of the men on the boat had a molded earpiece that also served as a transmitter. After Norris performed a similar communication check, their two heads popped back above the surface. The technology for underwater communication had a limited range, even with the state-of-the-art equipment that the former SEALs were using. They would be able to communicate clearly with each other, but would have to come near the surface to get a message to their support team. Eric and Andy lowered down two gray, three-foot-long driver propulsion vehicles. The DPVs would allow them to get to their ambush location much quicker than if they had to swim the entire way. Jay saluted his companions as he and Chris slipped back under the water. Man, I wish I was going with them, Fleming muttered. Oh, hell no, Gray retorted. Those boys are SEALs. They live for this stuff. I know we had all that training, but I hated every second of it. I'd much rather have my feet planted on God's green earth, or, he motioned to their surroundings, the occasional boat. We are Marines, after all. Walker had actually been a member of the elite SEAL Team 6 unit before retiring and accepting a job with his current employer. Norris had been a part of several West Coast-based SEAL teams before being recruited to work for the CIA. Well, I always enjoyed water operations, but you're right. This op is tailor-made for them, Fleming said. Staff Sergeant Fleming and Gunnery Sergeant Gray had served together in the United States Marine Forces Special Operations Command. The Marsoc Marines were the best of the best created as the Corps' answer to the Army's special forces. Now they were using their skills as part of the CIA's Directorate of Operations. We good? Josh Matthews asked, wandering to the rear of the ship. Yeah, you seen anything, Eric queried? Neither. There are no other ships within miles of us. You guys want some coffee? Up until a couple of months earlier, a couple of years earlier, the baby-faced Matthews had been a SWAT sergeant at a large Metro Atlanta Police Department. Looking for a career change, he appealed to his former boss, Chuck McCain, to see if he had any openings on his team at the Department of Homeland Security. In reality, Chuck was actually working for the CIA, but had been loaned out to the DHS in the aftermath of the zombie virus crisis, working with local police departments cleaning up the East Coast. That's the best idea you've had all morning, Matthews, Gray answered. I guess we need to let McCain know that they're in the water. Then we can sit back, sip some coffee, watch the sunrise, and maybe catch a few fish. Fleming was already pushing the dial button on his agency encrypted phone.
He spoke quietly for a few minutes before disconnecting the call. Matthews handed him a styrofoam cup of coffee. Why is it that every time we come to the People's Republic of California, we have to kill somebody, Eric asked, sitting in the captain's chair. Well, this is a target-rich environment, Andy responded. We haven't even scratched the surface on the scumbags out here who could use a dirt nap. Well, here's to killing one of those scumbags, Josh said, holding his cup up in a mock salute. Well, that gives you an idea of where we're going. And uh, I really hope you'll stay stay tuned. Keep watching for uh, for updates. I will be uh, publishing this just as quickly as I can. It'll be available as an ebook and as a print on demand book on Amazon. And uh, and I know you'll love it. Again, lots of action, fast paced. Uh, no zombies in this one, but uh, this one's a little bit more of a uh, a little bit more of a political intrigue. And, uh, and some other fun stuff that I know you're going to love. So listen, check it out. Well, I'm going to wrap it up today. Uh, make sure you click on the resource highlight. Check out um, the, uh, the, the, the one I mentioned, When the Stars Fell from the Sky. And, uh, and keep your eye out for this one. And as always, this is David Spell. Looking forward to seeing you next week on Leading and Learning. <laughs>